0: Drop it.
1: Dead or alive, you are coming with me.
2: I know you. You're dead. We killed you! We killed you! We killed you! Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. This week, we're discussing Paul Verhoeven's dystopian tale of a cyborg who regains his humanity. It's 1987's RoboCop. But dystopian? Dystopian. dystopian. Well, Seriously? I mean, it's, it's a dystopian Detroit.
0: You rewatched this, and you've been to Detroit.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I have. And some of the
0: commercials which are epic. Okay. I mean, everybody needs Magnavolt. <laughs> but come on. How much of it is dystopian versus a peek at the future?
2: Well, I mean, so yeah, the the parallels on the movie, the dystopian future of the movie and what's actually happening now are, are pretty uncanny, but... Could you not fucking see Trump in some kind
0: of an ad fit in perfect or a Trump-like president in the United States?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that would that would fit in perfectly with this movie, so... <laughs> um, I'm Jason. It's Sorry, we didn't, do the, we didn't do the introductions. The no, movie. we didn't because it had to be done yeah it does it did have to be done and we're also bringing in a, a special co-host um she's co-host. going to be uh, yeah she's going to be kind of helping us with the pod crawl duties since uh Ooh, i've managed got a to chick? fuck that up the last couple times but we got a chick you did yeah. fine yeah so i would like to introduce you to rebecca
1: hi oh, red rebecca. you sexy hunk of man oh and yeah jason
2: Ooh, <laughs> baby. I felt the tingle in my diodes.
0: You like that? I like that. Is she going to be able to take over the world and enslave humanity?
2: She might. She might. She no, might. I thought I thought it would be a, a really good bring-in for, uh, for this movie where we're talking about cyborgs and, I guess, uh, yeah. AI, because uh, Ed 209 had some artificial intelligence that kind of went awry at the beginning of the movie. and. Mm. So I thought it would uh, be apropos to bring in a, a special guest host cool. in this episode. But uh, let's go over some sci-fi news. I don't know if you read this, but James Gunn, who was the director of the first two uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, his ass got dropped. Yeah, so Disney dropped him for some tweets, apparently, from From years ago yeah several several years ago and and i haven't (laughs) looked at the tweets so i don't know what what content is actually in them or or how especially (laughs) the guy's
0: got a dark sense of humor i've gotten in trouble in the past for a dark sense of humor you know i defer to george carlin Anything can be funny in the proper context, and I think this is a contextual issue, and Disney's being overly sensitive.
2: Yeah, and uh, so Disney I, I is definitely trying to protect their brand. Um, they did the same thing with Roseanne whenever she spouted off her bullshit, mm-hmm. but, I mean, mm-hmm. that, was, that was some but pretty great shit. And she does have a history. Now, mm-hmm. she is a comedian, and mm-hmm. comedians tend to push the edge, and sometimes they go over the line but there's going there's a difference between going over the line and, and some of the just blatant racist and conspiratorial bullshit that she's been spouting on Twitter for years. Exactly. exactly. Like I said, I haven't looked at the tweets that, that Gunn is uh, being dropped for, so I don't know what the content is. Well, to is, his credit, he addressed every single one. Yeah, and he bowed out you know, gracefully, mm-hmm. he said gracefully that and he apologized. He said that Disney made the right call and, and, um, but there's a petition now to, uh, get him back as the director for guardians. And I, I'm, I guess my question is, is how long in the past you get deemed for, you know, some of the mistakes that you've made. Um, he definitely says that, that, you know, those were, those were his mistakes and that, uh, not proper so honestly I think
0: the rubric that they're going to be using or are using is if it occurred when you were over the age of 21 it's applicable
2: well yeah prior to to 21
0: you can say you were young you were stupid whatever but once you are 21 years of age anything that is said or done can be used against you can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion
2: yeah um it seems that way i I don't know i don't know if that's right and i think uh, a lot of it is contextual i think a lot of it i mean there's there's definitely a gradient there There's, there's some comments that are absolutely worse than others and um yeah i don't know it's it's i think you have to look at the whole picture though i think you have to look at the evolution of of their actions and if you know if the the same pattern holds from way back when to the current day yeah you might you might judge their past actions a little harsher because it it doesn't seem that they've they've evolved as as a person whereas you know i'm again i i haven't seen the content so i can't speak to it intelligently here but uh it doesn't seem like james gunn has had that same pattern up to the current day. He, he, he made some comments that are unfortunate way back in the day, but has since evolved and, and you know, refined his thinking and, and his actions, at least publicly. I mean, he may still think the same way, but at least publicly his, his outward actions um, are, are, are speaking to a different person. So, right. You know, we, we should, I think that we as a society
0: should certainly pay attention to things and be held accountable for our actions. But my thing is, and this goes all the way back to like my, my personal position on incarceration. I think that one of the reasons we have such a high recidivism rate, put that in your, that's, that's the new vocabulary term we can apply to the, to the world today, ladies and gentlemen, recidivism. It means returning back to something, returning back to prison. I think one of the reasons we have such a high recidivism rate is when people go and they are charged with and punished for a crime, that after they get out, they should be done. But a lot of times they are continually punished once they do get out and they have opportunities taken from them. And it's easier to return to the criminal behavior than it is to try and move on with their lives. When is the punishment over? When do people get to move on? Because psychologically, it's, it's good old-fashioned classical conditioning. If you continue to apply an aversive stimuli to a creature, it will eventually not want to do or do something you are not wanting to do. You have to reinforce the, the appetitive or what in, a lot of people incorrectly call positive reinforcement. I could get into a whole lecture on positive versus negative reinforcement. But really, it's just what makes you happy versus what does not make you happy. Right. And, you know, I, I think some of the stuff that we're dredging up on people, I mean, if if, like Romeo and Juliet, if I'm standing underneath a woman's window and I'm serenading her, you know, on a nightly basis, and she likes me, it's considered romantic. If she doesn't like me, I'm a stalker.
2: Yeah, but... She's probably given you signals to tell which sure. is which. Absolutely. But let's say that
0: I've done the serenading. She didn't like it. I stopped. I move on with my life. I'm doing very well. And she comes back 5, 10, 15 years later and says, oh, this dude is creepy. And then that that damages me. I haven't done anything since. I haven't pursued that behavior. I just think that's kind of uncool.
2: Right. And there's, like I said, there's different, you know, gradients. And I to this. think
0: people in the public eye, they get more harshly judged. I mean, I really feel sorry for a lot of these people because, you know, it's like, you know, somebody gets in really good physical shape for a movie. Like some, some, some young lady goes out and she's doing, you know, I don't know, she's in an action film. And she's in great condition and then some paparazzi jumps out from a bush and catches her sunbathing and she's put on fifteen, twenty pounds, or she's had a kid and she hasn't lost the baby weight, and they start being judgmental on her. I'm like, come on, let the person have a life.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the whole, you know, body image debate that that's gone on. I mean, well, know, but I'm just using it bullshit. for
0: the eye. I- I mean, you know, the way people look at things. I just think there should be a point in time when the punishment stops. There should be a point in time when actions have been acknowledged, dealt with, and if not forgotten, at least forgiven. You know, okay, you're not doing it anymore. Sure. Because it's, it just seems like some of the things that are coming up, you know, yeah, man, I was at Club 54 back in 1979, and so-and-so, you know, seriously? If you were even at Club 54, you're guilty by association, you know? Uh, That's a crazy place, a crazy time, and it's 30 friggin' years ago.
2: It is, and I would say probably the memories of people that were at Club 54 may be a little warped by the... They might that be were going a little around, bit, but... So they may Andy not be remembering I can't things. be around
0: Campbell's soup. I got to sue Campbell's soup.
2: <laughs> right. But no. Um I think I think the main thing is is that a lot of this stuff is really hard to, you know, show evidence of. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of suppression of people who have been victims and they haven't have gone been. forward because there's no evidence and they haven't been believed or, you know, nothing True. comes of it. And they get, they get they a, get a laser focus put on them just for making the accusation. A lot sure. of times they get dragged through the mud and Certainly. so they're victimized twice. It's very
0: difficult because you've got the legitimate issue. And then in, in many cases, the legitimate situation, the legitimate issue. But at the same time, we cannot ignore the people that are just wanting their 15 minutes. They're just wanting to do something ugly and
2: hateful. And I'm sure that happens, but research has shown, and I haven't seen any any statistics to show otherwise. That is a vast minority of the cases. Right. Sure, it happens, but it doesn't happen often enough to warrant not believing anybody who comes forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're more than likely correct,
0: really. And I I I, I bow to the evidence and the research. I do.
2: Yeah, I I would just like it if uh, guys in, you know, behaved positions of authority or in general would just stop acting like douchebags. Exactly. Let's just behave. I mean, I have never thought, you know, I think she likes
0: me. I'm going to go grab her bosom. I've never done that in my life. Right. Ever. You know, I can attest to the fact that it's possible. But at the same time, I also have been privy to situations where people have told me overtly, I did this just to fuck them
2: over. Yeah, and, and yes, there are definitely people out there like that. But We wouldn't have the,
0: wouldn't have the term douche action or douchebag action if it did not occur. <laughs> right. It would just be a hygienic device. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. So, you know, be that as it may back to robo
2: <laughs> back to robocop so uh we ready for rebecca to do her podcast or oh, podcrawl let's, her pod let's crawl do things? rebecca yes rebecca are you ready
1: okay fine i'll do it
2: we can
0: call it i don't know say a pod crawl the pod crawl pod crawl Pod crawl, pod crawl, excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information.
1: Flying over the city of Detroit is a menace to all mankind. The giant RoboCop title. South Africa would rather neuter them all rather than end apartheid. OCP has commercialized policing and surprise, it's killing the police. The judge only sees scumbags on Monday mornings. It adds that subtle flavor to his coffee. Murphy <laughs> seems to have pissed somebody off and is transferred to hell. Lewis is introduced as one of the rarest breeds of character in 1980s sci-fi, a strong female lead. This movie managed to make a Ford Taurus sound throaty. Agent Albert makes his character debut bitching about the boss in the cutthroat world of corporate douchebaggery. The stop-motion phenomenon known as ED-209 gets his introduction and shows he doesn't take any shit from anyone in a power tie. Agent (coughs) Albert Morton offers Robocop, a killer cyborg program, as a killer robot alternative. Murphy practices his police-sanctioned gunslinging. The dad from Dead Poets Society and his crew of fuck-up bank robbers get chased by Murphy and Lewis and they lighten the load by one-shot dipshit. Lewis makes a bad tactical decision. The Burnt Money Gang discuss criminal economics and watch a Benny Hill rip off. Bank robber Leland Palmer and friends surround and capture Murphy, but Emil claims his ass. The Giggle Gang take down Murphy and he's rushed to emergency cyborg surgery. They can rebuild him better stronger faster but they can't give him non-interlaced vision robocop eats weak old applesauce a convenience store crook who got supplied at an army navy surplus store meets and greets robocop with the traditional bullet and fuck me combo you never shoot a guy in the nuts butters for his final opening act robo practices his hostage negotiation skills the family that nukes together stays together robocop has a nightmare and goes to look for the electric sheep that fucked with his sleep Emil has problems gassing up his bike. Robocop gets in touch with his human side as he researches his past and visits all the old haunts. Robo makes an offer on a house and goes to a dance club to celebrate. Agent Morton powders his nose with a couple models but gets an unexpected visitor. Bodica is negotiating an expansion of his criminal enterprise when Robocop comes and makes a counteroffer. Robocop heads off to give President Dick a personal escort to jail, Robo gets introduced to Ed in an epic robot on Cyborg Cage match. Ed meets his match, stares, and squeals like a pig, literally. The SWAT Ah. team brings all their toys and goes hunting for Cyborg. Robocop bleeds motor oil. Lewis saves Murphy and brings him to an abandoned factory to rest and recover and he bears his soul, and his face. Bodica gets the band back together to go hunting for Robocop in their brand new 6000 SUX and a big ass penis compensator. Emil finds the toxic waste storage and turns into Golem. Bodica liquidates a meal and misses all the vital organs when he unloads on Lewis. Leland puts a heavy load on Murphy's mind. Robocop Uh, double parks and brings Ed 209 a present. Murphy heads upstairs, takes out the trash and roll credits.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca, that was lovely. That was lovely. I enjoyed that. And I did not remember that Kurtwood Smith was in Dead Poets.
2: Yeah, he was the he was the overbearing dad that ended up yeah. getting uh, getting his son to commit suicide. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, just wow, the guy's everywhere. But he's always going to be Clarence Boddicker, right? He's always going to be Clarence Boddicker.
2: Yeah, he looks so young in this movie. And if you realize, Dead Poets Society was two years after this movie came out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just uh, I think did it's a Google the glasses. On him. I did did a Google on him. He was born in nineteen forty three yeah,
2: the glasses
0: I want to age that well.
2: Oh shit.
0: I mean, I mean just looking at a current photo of him now, I wouldn't put him more than his mid fifties.
2: so yeah, there's a lot of different uh pair ups here, so Miguel Ferrer, uh, who played mm-hmm. Bob Morton, uh also mm-hmm. played and and this was kind of referenced in the in the pod crawl. Uh, he also played agent uh Albert Rosen in Twin Peaks. And um Ray Wise was also in Twin Peaks as as uh Laura Palmer's father, uh Leland Palmer, which okay. is also mentioned in the in the pod crawl. So cool. And I wanna say that was two or three years after this movie happened that Twin Peaks happened. Yeah, so it'd been nineteen ninety one ish, nineteen ninety one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of different matchups here. Um, Nancy Allen, the actress that played Anne Lewis, I didn't recognize her at first, but she's been in a lot of uh, kind of she's been in a lot of Stephen King miniseries. So she was in Storm of the Century. Um was in oh, what else was she in? Research on the Fly. <laughs> I've seen her in so many different things. She's always a uh, I think this is one of her only lead actress roles or one right. that I can remember. She's well, usually this one a supporting broke a lot actress. Of good ground.
0: It really did. I mean the movie itself, I'm just I'm I'm also doing a little fly research. It won the uh, Academy Award for best sound editing. Best oh, science yeah. fiction <laughs> film, best director, best writing, best makeup, best special effects.
2: Yeah, I mean this was a great film for its time and
0: It was nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best
2: Costume. Now the the stop motion animation that they did for the Ed 209 was a little wrenchy. Yeah, but for the time. Uh, Yeah, for the time it was.
0: You could actually see, you know, the people staring up at okay, look at this dot (laughs) on the wall. This is where he is. But, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. And, but, the, you know, but talking about the parallels to the movie, we've got Ed 209 now. Right. We, that, that's, we, we have the drones. We have, you know, it's just there's technology that we have now that, that eclipses what was alluded to in the film. And we've got technology that parallels. that's right on track. So this is, it's really very cool. And, and I just, at the earlier part of the, of the broadcast, when you were referring to it as dystopian, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It seems almost more like it's just a reality show. We've, we've got a lot of that now. Oh, I know. So what was dystopian then is current events. Unfortunately. I mean, would you say that you're living in the same country that you were born into?
2: No, no. Um, the the well, so from my perception, no. It's it's become much more, different. yeah, different, and it's it's become much more cruel. I mean, mm. it's it's heavily divided. Uh, there's a lot of cruelty. I mean, Verhoeven was like these, those commercials. Verhoeven
0: was, was pushing the extreme with those commercials because he could see some of it and we could relate to it and we can laugh at it. But now I don't know that we're laughing. It's more of an uncomfortable chuckle. Yeah. So that alone, I think, is something that is, makes this film not only entertaining but enlightening. Look to the past to see what's coming on. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I enjoyed the fact that, you know, one of the first things we have to do is we need the, the law enforcement needs to be militarized. Law enforcement needs more firepower. Right. We need a cop that won't sleep. We need a cop that doesn't, doesn't have any issues when it comes to remembering the law. We need a cop that can, that can meet any authority. And what was the initial, the main, you know, RoboCop was a backup. Ed 209 was the solution. And then the yeah. way corporate, when, it, when we had the little power tie incident, I think that's what we can call that. Yeah. The power tie, you know, the fashion faux pas. Um, it, it was like, you know, he, you know the, the, the character addressed the situation. Who gives a, th- a fuck if it works or not? military contracts, things like that. You know, it will be the hot piece of technology.
2: Yeah, you know? so, I mean...
0: Just, wow. Urban pacification.
2: Well, and it, it shows you even how deeply entrenched the military-industrial complex was embedded in the culture back in the 80s, and that hasn't led up at all. In fact, it's even grown even more. But, yeah, they were talking about... You know, we're practically the military. And did you see any
0: of the bad guys utilizing any technology or weaponry that even brought about the possibility of needing that kind of firepower? No,
2: no, they were using just conventional... They didn't come
0: up with any weapons until they got, at the very end of the film, when they got those fifty calibers.
2: But they got that from OCP.
0: Exactly. They had to get that to even be a threat to the
2: RoboCop. Right. So it's almost I mean, like they're even playing the, both sides of the fence. Yeah, even when the SWAT team unloaded on RoboCop with everything they had, and that was the entire freaking SWAT team, yeah, they damaged him, but he was able to walk away.
0: Yeah, almost like Reagan when he got
2: assassinated.
0: Right. <laughs> Do you believe that old bastard? He had a deflated lung. Uh, ah, just give me a napkin, I'll keep the blood in my face and walk into the OR. <laughs> you can have whatever your position is on Reagan, and believe me, he's not one of my faves, but you gotta give points to the old bastard walking in with a deflated lung yeah. and a couple of holes in him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's just it's it's insane. The the concept of just Watching the police department transform into a a militarized cybernetic Gestapo, it's frightening.
2: Well, I mean, but it's already happened, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you got armored personnel carriers. Well, not only that, but you've got, you know, military-grade weaponry weaponry and Mm -hmm. body armor. And what about some of the commercials? Oh, the the commercials. The, the Jarvik awesome. heart,
0: the whole Jarvik line,
2: <laughs> and the I technology. I really like the. Uh, so you can definitely tell that you know the Cold War was really in force during this time with the um, uh, the Nukem board game and right. of course the, uh, the heart, toxic the heart waste. commercial.
0: The heart commercial wouldn't would have been more accurate had they done the basic commercial, and then went for another five minutes talking about the side effects.
2: Right. That would be more modern.
0: (laughs) That would be much more modern. So if they (laughs) reboot that, they have have to include that in the credits.
2: They have rebooted this movie. You know that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. But, I mean, like, what I would do is, like, at the end of the movie, redo some of those commercials and then just have them go into all the side effects and just really work on those side effects. It could be hilarious. Right. If you find yourself attracted to the blender in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, but my favorite commercial is Magnavolt, and it won't even kill your battery.
2: Yes. So I think lethal I was lethal
0: response.
2: I think I was incorrect. I think I was getting two actresses confused. I think I was getting Nancy Allen confused with Becky Ann Baker. They look so very similar, though. Well, Nancy Allen was uh, the female cop. Yes. Becky Ann Baker was the the actress that I was referring to in in Storm of the Century, though. Ah.
0: Well, that's all right. You didn't make a mistake because you can edit. So there is no mistake. (laughs) Right. You can correct that right now. Just leave it in and then just overdo your own voice but do it a little bit different like Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen. Yeah, totally out of context. Timing's off, but that's okay. It's just Nancy Allen. It'll be the digital whiteout.
2: I actually did that uh, several episodes ago when we first introduced. Um, yeah, I know. Pod crawl music. <laughs> that was <fun. laughs> that was great. That was beautiful. That's why I said. You can do that. Yeah, I can. you got this. Yeah. Yeah, we we first introduced the pod crawl music, and I forgot to give credit at the end. So. Had to kind of pack. Now, one of the
0: things we have to bring up, we haven't reviewed the movie yet, so we can't get too into it. But Terminator versus
2: Robo. Terminator versus Robo? I'm going to have to give it to Terminator. See, and I used to do that as well. But I've had and
0: I've seen some pretty good stuff saying that Robo would win. Really? Why? Robo's still kind of
2: squishy in the middle. He is squishy in the
0: middle, and I do think that would be what the Terminator should go for. I mean, he would evaluate and go for the soft points. But a couple of the things is, if it's hand-to-hand, and, you know, no modern weapons from the future or anything, but hand-to-hand, Robo's stronger. Robo's got more armor. You think? So if it came down to a clinch... Robo could probably pull the Terminator
2: apart. So, what makes you think that Robo's stronger? Well, the things that he was doing.
0: I mean, like- look at the part where Ed, where he's fighting the Ed Two Hundred Nine, and he over he overwhelmed the strength of the Ed Two Hundred Nine and moved one of its arms to shoot off another one of its arms.
2: Yeah, but Terminator was like, you know, pushing cars and and breaking through walls and. Yeah, he was pretty so strong himself. So did Robo. Robo's going to have speed, or uh, Terminator's going to have speed and agility. Right. Robo's going to have greater armor. And I don't know that Robo, or that Terminator needs armor. I mean, the, the fleshy part on the outside was just as a decoy to oh, protect his endoskeleton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand. I think, uh, I think, you know, just the endoskeleton of the Terminator is pretty armored up enough.
0: It's pretty strong, yeah, but you still got joints
2: true, and they managed to to majorly damage him in the first movie, but they couldn't kill him until they dumped him in fucking molten steel. No, nah, the first
0: movie they crushed him
2: oh, that's right, it's second movie the
0: second movie they molted they multiplied him yeah, now the first movie they crushed him, but yeah that's 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 a good debate. We'll have to definitely get into that later. I'm just saying, I'm on the Terminator side. I think the Cyberdyne Series Model One Zero One would take out Robo because he'd go for the gooey part.
2: Yeah, I mean it would be a really good battle. Mm-hmm. And if Robocop I mean, could get in a hold of uh, some of those fifty-caliber, you know, rifles that they had at the end of the movie, he could probably dick up Terminator pretty good. Oh yeah. I loved how they took those rifles, and uh what's his face was putting it in between his legs and firing like he oh, yeah. didn't have any goddamn recoil and wasn't gonna shove his balls into the next episode
0: that's that that particular weapon would not do that, however, they've got some weapons that can handle that uh I watched that uh oh kids from like Tennessee, but he pretended to be Russian, and he did things on guns,
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, he had a little YouTube channel where he just got guns and reviewed guns and blew shit up, you know. And he always ended the 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 little YouTube videos with "Have a nice day," you know. <laughs> but he showed there was one that my son was showing me where the guy had a 12 gauge fully automatic shotgun. Looked like it was made out of stamped metal. It was not attractive at all. He was able <laughs> to depress the trigger and fire 8 rounds out of that shotgun single handed with his arm bent. So imagine you're standing, right, and you've got the shotgun in your arms in mm-hmm. your hands, right? You remove your left hand from the from the stock. You're just holding it by the pistol grip. It's pointing perpendicular to where you're facing. Now, squeeze the trigger and fire off 8 rounds. And the weapon itself isn't moving more than a few inches. And your, your wrist is actually bent because you're holding it up against you like you would a pistol against your chest. And the way they designed this shotgun, it's gas-operated. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the recoil is removed. Yeah, they just use the, the gas as a, as a counter. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if they were to come up with something like that, which I'm sure they
2: have, yeah, I mean they have recoilless um, rifles. We've could, had those. He could do that, but that was not recoilless. We've had recoilless rifles since World War II. I mean that's nothing new. But, but yeah, shooting shooting that that modified.
0: Uh, I can't think of the name. I can hear it in my head, but I can't say it. Well, what was the name of the fifty caliber? Uh, the Barrett. Barrett. Thank you. I was had the letter B in my head. You know, a Barrett Light Fifty. You're not going to do that. Well, you could do it once between your legs.
2: Yeah, you could, could and then you would be, yeah, pretty much out. Or at yeah. least I would. That would be a lot of pain. Fingers broken, hand broken, wrist broken. Yeah. Balls in another zip code. Did you have to go to the balls? I did. You had to go to the balls. <laughs> I did, because that's my main concern with that at that point. <laughs> exactly. My wrist will mend. My fingers will mend. I don't know that my balls ever would. Right. We calling UPS. What can Brown do for you? Can you find my balls? <laughs> I'll tell you what Brown could do for me at that point, and that's fill my pants. Right. Absolutely. By the way,
0: UPS, amazing company.
2: Oh yeah? What have they done yeah. for you
0: lately? Not for me, but uh here locally in my town, um there was a piece of military memorabilia that was uh donated. And um, the military, although they donated it, would not pay to ship it here. And so a local judge um, got about $1,000 together to package said item and then was looking at getting it shipped. And the military wouldn't do it, the Navy wouldn't ship it. And so he contacted UPS to say, hey, this is the situation. What would it cost to uh, get this brought in from Hawaii? And brought over here so we can put this on display at our uh, Veterans Memorial. And UPS said, not a damn thing. Oh, that's cool. And so they shipped, I don't know, this thing weighs a ton or more. Uh, this item from Pearl Harbor, it's a piece of the Arizona. Oh, wow. From Pearl Harbor all the way to the middle of the United States. Nice.
2: Gratis. Gratis. So, well, I mean, uh, it's, yeah. it's excellent PR for them. Um, I'm sure that there'll be a mention. Well, oh, sure, but they didn't have to. No,
0: they didn't. They could have right. done it at cost and still gotten good. We're not making any profit off this. But no, I mean, they just did it gratis. So UPS, kudos. Thank you very much.
2: So those commercials and that oh, hair. love them. The newscaster hair. I love those newscasters. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely, and all the women had shoulder pads, thank you very much. Shoulder pads. That's what I look for in a woman. She's got to have legs that go all the way to heaven and
2: shoulders like Walter Payton. Well, even the dudes had shoulder pads. Yeah, a lot but of it's those, more uh, evident on the women. Yeah, a lot of those jackets had humongous shoulder. I think, I think necks were really weak in the 80s, so your head kind of flopped over to either Might side. Been. Might have been. And uh, Well,
0: it's good for instant napping. It's a narcoleptic <laughs> thing.
2: That's true. <laughs> hadn't thought about that.
0: Hey, you got
2: to think. That Jarvik heart goes out. And the 6000 SUX, 8.2 miles a gallon. I actually had
0: that car. It was called the 1963 Buick LeSabre. You remember the Battle Cruiser? I do.
2: I had, oh, yeah. I had one that That was had, literally about the mileage I got. I got about nine miles a gallon. In this I year. had a car that got worse mileage than that. The Montego? The Montego, yes. Yes! Yeah, we were both driving land yachts in the
0: day. (laughs) I remember them parked side by side. That Montego would get up and haul ass, though. Oh, so would the LeSabre. 400 cubic inch engine. No computers. No problems. Very simple. You could actually work on it. There wasn't a part of that engine
2: you couldn't get to. I know you could put uh, the wrong brake shoes on either side and pull oh, to the left. Oh, stop it! Stop it! I'm just saying that's that's one of the things yes, that you can do yes, with the lightsaber. Yes. And you got to let them cool off for you. You do. Fix that too. Yeah, you really got to let those things cool off. I was just hanging. going around the block one time.
0: Yep. Could have fried an egg on that damn drum.
2: Why is this pulling to the left?
0: <laughs> drums on the front and back, baby. Front and back drums. Oh man, I still miss that car. I do. The car was oh, a beast. I miss
2: that car. It was. It, it was. was. You know, it's still running. It was hot in the summer and cold in the winter. Yeah, now the heater was all right. Just
0: had no air conditioning. I mean, it had air conditioning, but there was no way to fix it. I even basically everybody told me just get rid of that original powertrain and put in a three fifty. Why? Well, so that I could have it a little bit more modern and have air conditioning. Oh. Things like that. They just put a 350 engine with a 350 tranny, and it would, it would you know, a big block 350 would move that car, no problem. I'm like, yeah, but I kind of like that big old Wildcat 400. <sighs> but yeah, probably would have got better mileage, too. But that car was so big, I remember on the title, it was over 6,000 pounds empty, No passengers, no gas. Nope. Three-ton car. I could get through snow and ice that modern SUVs couldn't get through with four-wheel drive. If you had momentum. Well, yeah. Believe me, 6,000-pound car, you can get the momentum. Yeah. If you didn't have momentum, you were stuck. Mm. And the power steering was just ridiculous. People think they got power steering nowadays, and they do not. When you can take a 6,000-pound car and do a bootlegger's turn at 40 miles an hour with your pinky, that's power steering. I actually asked an old mechanic about that, and he said, yeah, they had to quit doing that because people were flipping cars. Dope. So they had to reduce the power assist. But yeah, and those floor vents... Remember those? I do. All the all the knobs and dials on that car, man, Look like a inside of a B twenty six Marauder. Pulling dials and moving switches. Ain't no digital interface there, baby. No, no, no. But there's another thing you can get it out. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, the Montego. I remember we calculated bad it, mileage. and it got seven miles a gallon. Yep, seven That's miles back, a gallon. Well, that the Montego
0: was what a seventy four
2: uh 70 yes, yeah, 74 76 somewhere around there
0: yeah so gas was before the before the uh fuel embargo the oil embargo under carter gas was what a quarter a gallon
2: oh yeah it was super cheap and even when we had the montego it wasn't just super expensive although it, that was about the time that it started it got climbing super up expensive yeah that's why i had to get rid of it well that and somebody backed into it in a parking lot and Crushed the radiator, but. Right. It's probably the only weak part on the Montego. Well, they hit it really hard. Can when you I say, imagine what they looked like? When I say backed into it, I'm talking they did it at like 20 miles an hour. They were. Yeah, it would have to be a good impact. Yeah, just crushed the radiator into the engine. Insurance company just totaled it out. Kind of made me yeah, sad. I was watching uh, The
0: Blacklist a while back. And there was a scene where there was a marriage, the wedding, and the wedding car that they were leaving in, you know, just married, written all over, it was a 63 Sabre. Jet black, fully restored, nice-looking car. Bad guys are coming along to stop them, and they had, I want to say it was like a 2015, two, no, 2016 Uh some GMC big four-wheel drive, full-size monster. Like, you know, like Cadillac Escalade big, right? Right. Smashed into the side, t bone that car. Direct t bone trying to, you know, stop it at like 35, 40 miles an hour. And you literally, it hit so hard that the back end of that SUV went up like two feet. <laughs> and literally... Literally, I I, the tires never even left the pavement on the on the Buick. Holy shit! It just kind of ugh, just shrugged a little bit. You saw the body of the car kind of move three inches to the left. Ugh. Okay, somebody bumped. Ugh. It's like somebody nudging you on the elevator. Ugh. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, fucking airbag, man. Oh shit! (laughs) Driving a car like that. I mean that those things didn't even come with they just had lap belts on the bench seat.
2: Oh I know. Yeah. You know, because you're those not nothing's optional flip that.
0: back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it passed inspection because if it didn't come with it, you didn't have to have it. You weren't required to have it because it wasn't, you know, factory. I remember talking to a cop <laughs> making sure this sudden doesn't have a, a shoulder harness. Is this gonna be legal? And he's like, Do you really think you're gonna hit something hard enough in this that you need it? <laughs> <laughs> this thing's a tank. No, no, we might stop you just to make sure you got the lap belt on, but beyond that, you're good. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, this awesome car. But all right, Robocop, I'm calling it a win. There was
2: plenty of smoking and drinking in this baby. There was. So, so who's uh, who's got your black lung award for this episode? Black lung award.
0: Mmm, there's a lot of smoking, a lot of smoking. I'm gonna go with Boddicker.
2: Boddicker, okay.
0: That's I'm gonna say Clarence.
2: He did smoke
0: um, quite I, a bit. I almost went. I almost went, uh, Officer Murphy, because he was his corpse was smoking pretty good at the beginning of the movie.
2: <laughs> oh, that's awful! You're bad. But yes, that that he was. But yeah, I'm gonna go Boddicker
0: on the smoking. He enjoyed his cigarettes. What about you?
2: So I thought about or too, but I think I'm going to go with Emil, because first of all, he's smoking some sort of super cigarette or weird cigarette, or it may not even be a cigarette, but he's smoking something that's yellow. Yeah, some kind of weird blunt. And that? yeah, and I bet you Coolio could tell us what that is. I bet he probably could too. Probably even tell us the strain. But more than likely just from the smoke (laughs) god he is cool but um he gets my black lung award because he managed to weaponize his his smoking so whenever he was that is true whenever he was going up against murphy at the gas station yeah he uh he used the fuel line that he uh shot open and threw down his cigarette to give him uh and what the fuck kind of fuel was that some kind of farmer diesel I don't know. It was awfully red, though. It was. That's I why think I was they thinking farm diesel. I think they just did that to show visually. I think it probably popped out on the screen more. You got to understand, this was back in the '80s. They didn't have high definition true, true. screens back then. So, although the the movies were typically pretty clear and well lit, that's one thing I like about this. You can see what's going on. Yes, yes, you can. All right, who's got your? Uh, Who's got your head lush award? Head lush award. I'm going to put
0: the, I can I can't remember his name, but that uh, the guy that was in charge of RoboCop. He was always drinking and doing coke and everything.
2: Oh yeah, he was. Oh, Morton. That was his Morton, name. Morton, there he is. There it is. Agent Albert from uh from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a good one. Mine's actually going to go to Boddicker. Um, so when he was doing the negotiations for Oh yeah, snorting the wine? Yeah, snorting well, I think it was brandy actually, but yeah. When he yeah. when he was doing the negotiations and stuck his fingers in there to kind of uh, as kind uh-huh. of a fuck you to the 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 coke dude and then snorted you know, that brandy. If you're actually having to
0: snort your alcohol, that might make you want to be a friend of Bill. <laughs> it might be time to give
2: Bill a call. It might be. Yeah, I think so. Um all right, your player award? Player award. I'm going back
0: to Morton. He had two hookers.
2: Yeah, that's my player award too. Sniffing Coke off of a uh, off of a well, he called them models. Bosom. He called them yeah, they models. models. They're actresses. And all strippers are nursing students working right. their way through school. Right, right. So yeah, when you when you sniff cocaine off of a off of a model's bosom, that's gonna get you the player award. Or at least put there you in you the go. running. Absolutely. And Absolutely. uh Absolutely. Uh for our coveted Purple Hippo award, who's getting that? The Purple Hippo award. Well, I know who it's going to be
0: for Robo 2. <laughs> but um let's see. Purple Hippo. There was there was some definite
2: drug use going on. A hard decision. It is. It is. And I kind of waffled back and forth between a couple.
0: Yeah, because see, Morton, I'm thinking him, but you know, honestly, I think it would be better served if we went with. Um, um, I'm going to go with that guy. I can't remember the character's name, the one with the yellow cigarettes. Email. Email. I'm going to go with Emil. Because, um, not only we got those yellow cigarettes that we're not real sure of when he got liquefied,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking that was a hallucinogenic (laughs) experience all on his own. Oh yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. So he wasn't mine. Um, although he was, I, I did think about that, although I didn't think about the, the liquefaction part, um, so mine was a toss up between Murphy and his continual visions of his past. Right. And, exactly. See that's what I was programming. kind of thinking, But it's not drugs, but it is well, a No, but it doesn't have to be drugs. It just has to yeah, be a, yeah. an out just of body kind of a experience. weird thing. Yeah. So but, I was actually thinking, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say yours is better than mine. Murphy's well, better call. Murphy isn't my call though. So if you remember really? when they were interviewing people on the street, whenever RoboCop first did. Oh, my night, God.
1: The, that, yes. That, that the second,
2: Yes, that second dude that they oh, interviewed. Oh, I forgot about oh, it. He, yes. yes. He epitomizes the Purple Hippo oh, just he his sure speech did. and language and, yeah. So The only thing
0: missing was fucking Jay from Silent Bomb. Yeah. In the background.
2: Yep. Oh, so God, he is getting my Purple Hippo Award, though it was a it was a close toss up between him and Murphy. Right on. Well, All right. That sounds good to me. So uh, we need to pick our next movie or show series. Let's pick the next movie so we can put a wrapper on this. All right. So you need to pick a number between two and ninety Two. 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 Ho, 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 This is a classic. And it is nice. a mind trippy classic. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's not Video is it? No, no. Although that I need to put that on the list if it's not already. I think it's already that's, on there. That's, but that's Peter
0: Weller. It is.
2: And it's a good movie. And Debbie More Harry. horror than sci fi, but it definitely would, would be. Uh, a, a, yeah, I guess it would technically be sci fi, but yeah. It's definitely more horror. No, what we will be doing next episode is Stanley Kubrick's classic sci-fi movie, 2001. Oh hell yes! Absolutely. Yeah. Oh god, I'm eager. So we get to I'm visit. Eager. We get to visit the space station and Hal. We do and Hal. You know it would be great if we could get Hal
0: or Sal to be our guest host.
2: Oh. Yeah, I'm. I bet we could probably get that to happen.
0: That would be cool. All right, so sounds we've good. We've got it set.
2: Two thousand one. We've got this one done
0: with a bow on it,
2: man. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All right, sounds good. Our intro and outro music is "Welcome Home" by Cambo. Podcrawl music is "Snack Mix" by Machette. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, PodChaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com on Twitter at status underscore podcast or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. I'm Jason. This is Red. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.